It's well known that on Tisha B'Av, the Avelis, the morning that we have, is not just on the Tsaris of the Churban, but really we, uh, we're misab on all the Tsaris to have a Deklai Yisrael since then, both for the Klal, for the Prat. In a certain sense, everything is Mekusher to the Churban, everything is really Neveh from the Churban based on Mikdash. And one of the, uh, one of the big tragedies, the big Tsaris to have a Deklai Yisrael and really change the Metzias of the history of Klai Yisrael is the um, expulsion from Spain. Inquisition, that, but really the, what led to the expulsion. And um, even though it's related to the Churban like all the other Tsaris, but I think there's more of an inter- intimate connection over here because it's Yadua that the, the date of the, the final date of the actual expulsion, the last chance to get out, was August 2nd, 1492, which was exactly Tisha B'av, exactly today, you know, close to 500 years ago. It actually happened on Tisha B'av, and so we see that there is a a kasher batim to Tisha B'av, so I think it's good to speak about it a little bit just to, um, to understand what happened and maybe something we could we can learn from it. Just a, a little bit of background to understand, you have to understand what was happening in Spain before to understand what the expulsion was all about. So the um, the Jews lived in Spain for hundreds and perhaps thousands of years, really from the, uh, some say even from the Churban Habayis, they already went to Spain. And um, it was a very unique Gaulus, the Gaulus of uh, Sfarad. And it was referred to as the Golden Age, not the whole time, but certain Tkufas during the Gaulus in Spain was refer- referred to as the Golden Age because it, it was a very unique Tkufa that never happened before and, and probably never, never happened afterwards, that there was such um, freedom of religion and freedom of expression and freedom of really to do whatever you want. And you didn't were able to, to learn. They're able to um, reach whatever heights they wanted, wanted to in business and politics and the, and the military and everything. The, mamash, the, whole, the whole country was open to them. And it produced unbelievable gedolim, and from the tkufa the rishanim and the early achrayim, people that uh, had godless in Torah and godless and other chachmas is really something that you cannot didn't find in any other time in the history of Klaisol. Even you know maybe America is somewhat similar, but I think um, even in America today we don't have that same freedom and that same respect that they had from the um, you know from the guy in Spain. I don't even think it's the same in, in America today, but. It was something very unique, and um, you didn't really live there in a, in a uh, it was a unique Gaulus. And that was going on for hundreds and hundreds of years, but all of that came to an end, starting, um, came to end in 1492, but really started 100 years before, maybe even a little bit before that. There was a Tkufa where there were big pogroms in, in Spain, and uh, many, many Yidin were killed, tens and tens of thousands of Yidin were killed in these pogroms. And, and then something happened, which again was, I think, unique, to this, uh, to the Gaulus of Spain, again, came out, never happened before or after, and that was that because of the fear of these pogroms and people were afraid of losing their lives, there are many Yidin, the Lo'aleinu, who became a Shumadim, they became Christians, and um, they threw away their Yiddishkeit. And some of them went all the way off, and they became Mamish Mishumadim, and uh, totally uh, threw away the religion. But then there were a Kvutza of people that were somewhere in between. They did not really fully throw away their Yiddishkeit. There was just to, um, in public they did, Lamaris Ayan, but inside, at home, they, they still kept the tire, kept Yiddishkeit to a certain degree. These were the Maranos, the Anusim, and these are Yidin that really did not want to, um, they wanted to remain Yidin, but because of the fear, because of the, the threats, they felt that they have to act like Christians. And it wasn't, I don't think it was a clear-cut cut group, you know, there were the Christians, the Yidin, these people in the middle, there, there are different shades and different varieties, and it wasn't always clear who is really a believer still, who is not. And you had all these, um, this interesting situation, very unfortunate situation, when you had Yidin that, that looked and acted like 
Christians like Goyim, but deep down inside they they kept the tire, they kept, kept mitzvahs to uh, one degree or another. And, um, you know, the, the whole year they, they wouldn't come to shul, they wouldn't be mishnatif with the tzibur, they wouldn't have a, uh, they, they wouldn't publicly act like Yidin, but deep down, you know, in the privacy of their home, some of them still kept tire and mitzvahs. And it was, there was a big confusion among the, the Yidin who remained committed how to treat these people. You know, some of them they knew were really just putting on a show and were Yidin, some of them wasn't so clear. And, um, it, it happened um, Yom Kippur. A lot of them would become more inspired, and you know everyone has gaguim on Yom Kippur. And even these Yidden who never came to shul any other time, they would come to shul on Yom Kippur. And you can imagine you're sitting here by Kol Nidre, and suddenly a guy walks in wearing a cross, looking like a Christian. It was it was very uncomfortable. People didn't know what to do. Should we allow them in? Should we not allow them in? It was uh, there was a lot of confusion. And at a certain point, they made a bezdin and they they paskin that these people are a lot of. The Mishnatif and the Tefillah on Kippur, because after all, the they you know the fact that they came shows that they uh, that's where the heart was. That's what they really wanted to do. You know, we don't know what happens in their home, but these were Yidden who, who really their their heart was in the right place, and many of them were, were really Shemitah Mitzvahs, and um, as far as they're able to do. And and the Messiah is that the Tefillah that we say in the beginning of of Kol Nidre, Al Das Hamakim Al Das Hakahal Anu Matim Lispalim Avaryanim, who is that? referring to, who are these Avaryanim? We, we start off every Yom Kippur, we allow ourselves to daven with the Avaryanim, with the criminals, with people who, who don't keep the Torah. It was referring to these Anusim, these Moranos, and it was Masukin at that time, that it should be clear that whoever comes to Shul, whoever wants to be Meshatif, Rematim Nisvalim Avaryanim, and, um, and that, that tefillah remain, remains with us until today, even though it's not Nagea anymore, but it's a uh, Shirayim leftover from that Kufa, and I think in a sense it really does apply today as well, because that's really who we all are, in a sense. We're, we're, we really all, to a certain degree, are like these Anusim, we're like these Avayanim. You know, the whole year, we, we are Anusim in the hands of our Yitzhahara. We, we're pushed to do things that we don't really want to do. This is not who we really are. And certain people, you know, everyone, to a certain degree, some more, some less, give in to their Yitzhahara. And when it comes to Kippur, we, we declare that this is not really who, who we are. It's not who we want to be. Our labor is in the right place, and we want to do the right thing. And we're all matter ourselves to be misvalim avayonim. That's each and every one of us. And Yom Kippur, a yid is able to uh, to show where his heart really is, who he really wants to be, and that's what the um, Kol Nidra is really all about. But that's uh, more from Yom Kippur. But Al Kopanim, the this is uh, just to give you a little idea of what was going on at that time with these um, with these Anusim. Some say that you know a lot of times when Sfardim sign their name or they write their uh, the name of their family after their name, they write the letters Samach Tes, and it's a big tumult among the Sephardim, among different chaykrim, what Samach Tes stands for, it's not so clear. Many people say it stands for Sephardi Tahar. And even if it does mean that, what does that mean? What does it mean you're a pure Sephardi as opposed to a not pure Sephardi? So they, what they say is, is that at that time, when you had all these Anusim, you had the Moranos who were Sephardim, they're from Sephard, but they were not necessarily Taharim, they were somewhat, you know, didn't keep anything, everything 100%. So those families who remained committed, they would write these letters, Samach to say the words, Sfaradim Tahirim. We, we are pure, we never went off, we never accepted anything of Christianity. That's what this Samach uh, comes from, perhaps. This, this went on for, for tens and tens of years, for um, close to 100 years, until at a certain point the guy had enough with that as well, and they started the Inquisition, which was a more forceful way to, to really force the, the Jews to decide one way or another, either you're part of us, you're full-fledged Christians, and if not... Then, um, then they would torture them, they would kill them to, to be macabre Christianity fully. And, um, 
that went on for a while with terrible, terrible Xeris that I'm not going to go into now, but it was a, a terrible Tkufa for Klai Yisrael, the, the Inquisition. But eventually even that didn't fully accomplish what it was trying to accomplish. You still had these Jews that were not clear, were they Christians, were they not Christians? And, and the rulers in Spain at the time wanted to do more, and they, they came up with this decree, this is in 1492, that they wanna, they're going to expel all the Jews from Spain. Any, any Jew, any Jew who not Lehebia, doesn't clearly accept Christianity, he's going to be expelled. And they're they're all gonna they're all gonna have to leave, and um, this kazer, as I mentioned, was in the year 1492. I think it started in March, but the the last day, the last opportunity to leave was August 2nd, which was uh, which was Tishabov. And um, the the year 1492, we're all familiar with for other reasons, because of uh, Christopher Columbus, who I think you're not allowed to say his name anymore, but he uh, you know he also started his um, I don't know who knows what his um, Statue downtown was pushed into the harbor. It's, it's no longer there. For whatever reasons, different. Um, not going to get into now as well. But the um, he 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 started his voyage in 1492 as well. And Mustafa, not a coincidence. What the connection is, I don't know. But but I think in his diary, this is brought down that he he writes that as he sails out of Spain, the Jews are also sailing out of Spain, and they're being expelled from Spain. So he Mamish acknowledges this in his diary. And there are those who say that his, his voyage was financed by the Jews, by the money of the Jews. Some say he himself was a Yid. A different rise to that. He signed his name with Baruch Hashem or something like that. So that, in Kamakim Lahayrech, everyone could do the research afterwards. And uh, the interesting sugya, was he a Jew or not, Columbus? And, uh, but al Kalpanim, it did happen at that same time in 1492. But anyways, getting back to, um, to the expulsion itself. So, you know, being expelled... The whole musag of a, a whole nation, you know, people who lived in this country for hundreds and hundreds of years, their families and their businesses and yeshivas and schools and everything, and to just expel them is, is something that it itself is a terrible tragedy. And you can imagine, you know, living here in America, of Khalila, we, we were told that, you know, in three months from now, we have to, we have to all be out of here. We all have to uh, leave our homes and leave our businesses and just leave everything. And, you know, you can imagine you try to sell your, your property, your car, and your home, and whatever you have, you're not going to make a lot of money on it. That, you know, people didn't pay, pay them anything because they knew they had to leave. It's a traumatic thing that we would have to uh, just pick up and leave. You know, men, women, children, everyone. It's, uh, you know, to imagine that, like, Gullis America is over. It's, you know, I, I would hope at that point we would, we would all know where to go. At that point, people would go there to sell. At that time, it wasn't Pasha. They didn't even have where to go. I mean, they, there were different places. Some went to the... Middle East, someone to Europe, we'll, we'll see later on, but just the musig of, of being uprooted from your country, as, you know, the whole country is, is something very traumatic. But it, it wasn't just that, it was, it was done in a very vicious and cruel way, and many, many of them were sold to, um, to slavery, they became slaves, many, you know, many went by ship, and they were captured by pirates, and by um, bandits, and other things, and they didn't have what to eat, many people died from, from diseases, children were kidnapped, and taken away from their parents, and sold to slavery and, and other things and um even those who who did remain you know remained alive they um they were scattered around the world they didn't stay with their families necessarily they lost their parnasa and it was just a tremendous blow to this to spanish jewelry and um one of the um one of the yidden who lived through this in a way lived through the um the success of spain and its decline was the abarbanel or the Avravanel, as the scholars refer to him, so Machleg is how to how to say his name. If it's Abarbanel or Avravanel, is that the Nusach? And um, I'm going to go with Minigailam as Abarbanel, but they um, 
that's uh, that's stop a debate how to how to pronounce it. But the the Barbanel was a person who came from a a, a prominent family. He himself was a Gvaldik Gadol, and you know as we know from his uh, Purushim that he wrote. And um, but he he was also very uh, he was very successful financially, politically. He was well connected, and and uh, whoever was you know the ruling powers at that time were Maxim very much. He was a person that had tremendous kashivas. And and when this decree came out, he actually thought that he could he could stop it. He went to speak to his you know use his connections and spoke to the king and whoever else was involved. And unfortunately, he um, was not matziach. And, and he himself was expelled with the rest of the Jews. I think he ended up in Italy. And in the Hakdama to his, his Pirish Malachim, Sefer Malachim, he goes through a little bit the a description of what was going on. I'll, I'll just read you a little bit of what he says just to hear his own words, someone who actually lived through the, uh, the expulsion to see what, what it was like. So he writes over here that, uh, They went without any uh, strength, 300,000 people. There's a, a whole need on how many Yidden were expelled. It's not so clear, but he, he writes over here, it was 300,000. I was part of that group. We, you know, he's using the Pesukim from the Megillah. And um, he says, some, some went to Portugal and other countries that were walking, and they're able to walk there. They, they would walk or they went and... Um, Wagons to these countries. These people had terrible tsaris. They uh, they had uh, play, plagues and they had uh, hunger and famine and shayd and people would um, would steal from them and kill them. Some of them went by uh, by ship. They went by through the waters. And they, they also were were hit by the Yad Hashem, Ki Rabbim Nei Shemeimah La'avadim, many of them were sold to Avadim, L'Shvachas, and B'chalkulah Sagayim, but Rabbim Tuvah Be'yam, many were drowned in the ocean, Salu Kafres Ma'im Adirim, Megam Mehem, Bo Be'eshu V'mayim, some of them were burnt as well, Ki Nisipu Ha'anias Vitevah Ba'mesh Hashem, the ships were burnt, and they, they died through Eish, Soif Dabar Kol Mishpat of Harayim, Nobody escaped the, this fate. Some people were either killed or they were captured or they had the machlis. They were an embarrassment to all the different nations. Only very few were left over from the multitudes. This is what they went through. And it ends off. It's after all the description of all the tzaris, that's ends off. But at the end of the day, Hashem should be blessed, and you know he's makabel din ba'ava. And he goes through a little bit more. There's other swarm. There's another sefer called Shevet Yehuda. Yehuda um, Virga, I think, was his name. And uh, he also he, he he says that he has a lot to, a lot to write about about the tzaris that happened to him. But since the Barbanel already wrote about it, he's going to be makatzer. But he, he just adds that a lot of times they would um, when they went in these ships when they finally got there the the Gaim would um, make up that the uh, Jews have certain diseases and they'd throw them overboard and then just steal their money and but just bite her, they, they lost their money, lost their lives and it was a very, very, very difficult time. And um, this is, uh, you know, together with, coupled with the explosion itself, they had to go through all these different Saras Lailenu. And um, even those who made it out, they didn't really have where to go. They, you know, they were alone in the world and they went 
to uh, another country would accept them. As I mentioned, some went to the Middle Eastern countries, some went to, uh, made it to Europe. And um, they had to start over. They had to totally start over. And um, it was really the end of, uh, of this Gauls of Spain. They gave the produce so much Kedale Tire, so much Tire and so much Godless was totally wiped out and had to start over once again. The, um, I mentioned they came to Europe. The Tartima writes in the Hakdama to his uh, Sefer Makar Baruch. In the beginning of the Makar Baruch, the Tartima's name is Abarach Epstein. And he says that his family came from those who were expelled from the Geir Svarad. And um, he said his name originally was not Epstein, it was uh, Ban Benisti. That was a, you know, a big Spanish name. And he said that his family split. Some of them went to Turkey, and those who went to Turkey kept the name Ban Benisti. They, you know, that's still a prominent name today. And others went to Germany. And they went to Germany. He said the first city that they that accepted them was a city called Epstein. And Al-Sakar uh, Sataiv, and also because they wanted to remove any Zeche to their Spanish names, they changed their name to Epstein, and he says that's, that's where his family came from. So you have Ashkenazi families who originally came from this Gullus of, uh, of Spain. He says of there also that the name um, Toledano, Toledano is also you know, a prominent Swedish name. So where does Toledano come from? So there's a city in Spain, obviously, Toledo. So he said this mishpacha of Toledano came from Toledo, but when they left, they were, they were expelled. They were so upset about being kicked out of Spain that they made a shvua never to go back to Spain again. There, there are certain mishpachas that have this, mechsav, shvuas that they made, they'll never go back to Spain. And um, they had kerekach that they made that their name. So Toledano means Toledo, no, that will never go back to Toledo. That was how they, uh, how they made sure to remember never, never to go back there. So that's uh, just a little bit of what happened the time in Spain and the uh, the garish of of Svarad and um, just want to focus on one one Nakuda over here and I guess before I get to that to, to know it's important to know that you know we never a um, never feel settled or safe in Gullis you know even we're in Spain for hundreds and thousands of years and they reached the greatest heights he had never reached even even more than than we have today in America and Baruch Hashem we're, we're in a Machlish Chesed with freedom of religion and freedom of everything and we're thriving and we're, and we're growing, but at the same time, it's a, it's a gullus like any other gullus, and you know we're, we'll all be at Hashem, and no one should ever feel feel that this is his um, his permanent makam. You know, the main thing is to, to remember this is a this is a makam arai. This is a temporary stop along the road. We hope to bez Hashem make it back to Sol one day, and uh, we have to remember this is not is not where we're supposed to be. And um, you know, sometimes we have to be here, and that's that's where we are. But that shouldn't never change your mindset to think that this is it, and this is uh, you know we, we we landed, and this is our final destination. You know, when you didn't think that, that's when the Khalila things um, things happen. So it's important to remember that Yid always has to know where where he's supposed to be. But I, I just want to focus on what I mentioned the the date of um, of this explosion, which was on Tishabov. And obviously, it was not a coincidence. So, just something very fascinating that Rav Dasa writes in Mishkem Eliyahu. He says that quotes Bashem the Chachme Ha'Oilam Chachme Ha'Historia. Maybe the historians write this. He says that if the uh, the Raiden Hasfardi, if the the Spanish ruler knew how much Amuna Bitachin he would plant in the hearts of the Yidden by kicking them out on Tishabav, he would have never done the whole explosion. He would have never done it to begin with. And um, what does he mean with this? You know, obviously this was a, a terrible time for Klaisel, as, as I mentioned. And, you know, people's lives were ruined and fell apart. And it, it, was, a, it was a traumatic event. But that's the saying, at the same time, imagine, you know, such a thing happens, but it, but it happens on Tisha B'av. 
And, you know, out of all days in the year, it was, you know, the one day, which is the day the Chorban and all the prayers happened, and, and this thing, Punk happens on Tisha B'Av, it's obviously not a coincidence, it's obviously Bahashkacha, and as bitter as it is, and as difficult as, as it is, it tells you there, there's, there's someone, you know, pulling the strings over here, there's someone is orchestrating all this, it's not a Mikra, it's not the, the Spanish ruler, it's not this person, but it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu who decided this, this is what should be, and it's all Bahashkacha, and we don't know why, we don't know how, and it doesn't make it less bitter, but it, it makes it so much easier to understand when you understand that you're part of a program, you're part of a mahalach, you're part of history, and, and the same, you know, the same class, they had a churban by Sushan and a churban by Shani, and that, that was already, it was already nikfa in, in the Bria from way before, from the Chetam Araglim. This is a Taitzav, that same, that same mahalach. And when you realize you're part of the, a master plan, then it makes, makes it much easier to accept whatever's going on. And that Yediyah itself, that's what I'm saying, if, they, if he knew how much Amun and Bitaqan he gave us by realizing, but, you know, till today we talk about it, you know, look at this Hashkacha that happened on Tisha B'Av. This, this is what gives us our, our Nechama, this is what gives us Chiyas, that, you know, things are not always as you want it to be, things are not always easy, but when we see the Yad Hashem, when we know it's happening from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's a, it's a Avarachman, it's a loving Father who's doing it. We don't always know the Cheshbainas, but... We know we're part of the plan, that itself gives us a uh, tremendous nechama. So, you know, we're sitting here on Tisha B'av after many um, hundreds and thousands of years of uh, still not having the base of Mikdash and going through Gullus and, you know, Gullus, we have our ups and downs and difficult times and easier times and sorrows for the cloud, sorrows for the prat. But what's important to know is, is that the more you realize that it's Yad Hashem, the easier it is to, uh, to be makabal, the easier it is to handle. And it's something which is... Um, which the Tsar itself can bring a tremendous nechama. We don't always see the, that date of Tisha We don't always see the Yad Hashem as clearly as they did. But when a person lives with the Muna Bitachan, when you, when you realize that every Tsar is, is Bikiv and every Tsar is for a purpose, for a reason, so then a person could grow from the Tsar. He could grow from that Yad Hashem. And sometimes the deeper the Tsar is, the deeper, the more difficult things are, whether as a Klal or as a Prat. When things are difficult in your own life and things are just not going right, then from every side there's something else uh, you know falling apart and it's difficult you, you realize that obviously HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, um, is speaking to you HaKadosh Baruch Hu is running the show he's, he has a plan he's doing something and just because we don't know why or how or what doesn't mean that it's no less beyond Hashem and that, that idea itself should give us a tremendous nechama a tremendous source of chizik that we have a we have a loving father who's being mechav and everything and working it all out and the more we're maimon in that the more we believe that the more the easier our lives will be the easier it is to, to handle it and B'shosh HaMunah itself that's what brings about the Geula Shemizaycha Be'ez HaShem to in the Shazak and the to better our ways and, and learn from the past and um, become stronger in our Tyrion Mitzvahs and that's close to Shemizaycha that you know next year Tisha B'Ez HaShem we, uh, we shouldn't be standing here once again we should be in the Shalai Merak Kodesh with the Vinay Be'ez HaMikdash Merak